0: Hi! Welcome to the StoryWorth podcast. We're glad you're here. I'm your host, Krista Baum, co-founder of StoryWorth. On this podcast, we feature true stories written by StoryWorth writers. If you're new to StoryWorth, we help people write their life stories, the big stories and the small ones. Once a week, we send our writers a question to help inspire their writing. They reply to the email with an answer or story that comes to mind. At the end of the year, we print what they've written into a beautiful keepsake book. Every story written using Storyworth is private, but for this podcast, the writers volunteered to share their stories publicly with you. Do you remember Jill Summerhays from several episodes ago? She started online dating and her match ended up passed out in a butterfly conservatory. Well, it turns out that Jill is a really fun hang and we had a long chat that didn't make it on the podcast. And we discovered that we have both lived in Stockholm, Sweden. And after our chat, she sent me a story she wrote about her time there and how StoryWorth actually took that story to the next level. It's another wild chapter with a twist ending you won't see coming. So today we'll reconnect with Jill Summerhays After she reads her story, Jill, have you ever felt alone?
1: No doubt there were times as a child I felt alone, like the time I got stuck in a chimney. But the first time I recall feeling really alone was in the early summer of 1965. I was acting as a governess, which is basically a nanny to two young Swedish children. Their parents were an older couple and both had high-profile jobs Leaving the children somewhat bereft of emotional support. I was their third nanny that year. When it was family vacation time, the Stainers offered me a choice of accompanying them to Norway or staying in Stockholm for three weeks. I opted to stay. I was longing for a break from two unmanageable children. The first few days were peaceful. Having time to myself was a treat. But soon I came to realize my salary was my room and board. I had no money and the groceries were no longer replenished. I was getting hungry and eating less each day. Fortunately, then in Sweden, if you gave blood, you were given a coupon for fish and chips, a cookie, and a small bottle of brandy. I went to the hospital and gave my blood. This offered a short-term solution. One day, while coming home from a walk in the nearby park, with an apple that I had filched from a tree in someone's garden, I saw an old Rolls-Royce parked on the street. It had blue gingham curtains in the windows and reminded me of home, of England, friends and wholesome meals. I felt more alone than ever and very homesick. I walked around slowly checking the car. A man with unruly bright red curls and a beard appeared beside me and asked if I spoke English. He looked to be in his late fifties, flamboyantly dressed in black pants with white silk monogrammed shirt and a beautiful cravat. He asked if I knew where a certain restaurant was located. We struck up a conversation. This was his car, and he was lost. A few minutes later, we were chatting like old friends. He seemed quite a colorful character and introduced himself as Merlin Minchel, a restaurant and food critic for Egon Rooney, who were publishers of the best top restaurant guides. Merlin told me he found it rather boring eating one good meal after another, all alone with no conversation. He asked if I would consider accompanying him to dinner that evening. The only requirement being I had to select different menu options to his and would I check out the ladies' washroom in the restaurant. What an incredible stroke of luck. Not only was my hunger about to be satiated, but I would have an interesting adult to speak to. Of course, I readily agreed and we went to a very fancy restaurant. We got along well. He had lived a very interesting life and once he heard my circumstances, asked if I would care to join him for each meal for the next 10 days. Indeed, I did. I had never eaten in such fine restaurants. Merlin taught me an enormous amount about fine cuisine. One excellent meal after another for 10 days. I was quite sorry to see him leave, but my loneliness and hunger were certainly cured. Now, one more thing. After I sent in the story about Merlin Minchell, it occurred to me I could probably find a photo of him online to add to my story. Further investigation revealed a huge surprise. The man I ate with for 10 days was better known as the British spy during the Second World War. Ian Fleming, the author of the James Bond series, was his boss throughout World War II and based the James Bond 007 series on some of Merlin's adventures. Imagine my shock and surprise to find that this wonderful raconteur, who I had dinner with every day for 10 days, more than 60 years ago, had such an incredible background. I found his book titled Guilt-Edged on a website for out-of-print books, and I ordered it. It was revealing, self-deprecating, and full of fun. It amazed me and made a great story all the greater.
0: Okay, so Jill, this is the first time we've ever actually revisited a single author on the podcast. I think it's because you have a lot of really great stories. (laughs) So some background, Jill and I both have lived in Stockholm, and so we bonded over it. So did you work through an agency? How did you get placed with this family in Stockholm is my question, because it's insane um, that they would leave you without food.
1: Well, I mean, I don't think it was deliberate. I mean, I don't think they thought about it either. They packed up and went off on their vacation. Anyhow. I don't remember how I got it. I think at the time I had been working for a chemical company, importing things from Britain for a while, and there was a connection with the, one of the importers from Sweden who said that they knew of a family that wanted somebody, and I said, yeah, sure, I'll try that.
0: How long were you with these kids? You described them as hellions, so I'm a little I, I interested was, to hear I what was with there. them for a
1: year. Oh, I got mm-hmm. very fond of them. I mean, you know, I, I managed to tame them. You're Mary Bobbins. <laughs> They, They were very respectful and they
0: cried a lot when I left. How did you tame them? How did you win them over?
1: It was things like when I was putting my suitcases away in the attic the first day, parents had gone off to work and they took away the ladder that I was supposed to climb to get down on. I was supposed to scream and rant and I said, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. You want to get your own lunch and do your own stuff. I'm quite happy up here. So I didn't react when they pushed my buttons because I knew that that's what they were hoping for. It was not giving in to them, and it was respecting them. I mean, I didn't talk down to them at all. I listened to what they wanted and who they were. They became quite charming. They, was, they were still difficult sometimes. Well, they were lucky to have you. Well, I thought I was pretty lucky to have them. It all worked out well. I mean, I remember my year there. Very fondly.
0: What did you like to get up to in Stockholm? I'm just taking a little tour down to, um, memory lane for myself too here. Oh
1: well, I mean, we used to go to the parks. I used to go and see the rebuilding of Vasa. Yes, um, I would go to some of the dances that they had. A lot of dances for young people that I would go to in the evenings. And I was trying to learn Swedish. And I used to say, "We must go home," because I was what I would say to the kids. And one night, somebody took this a little too literally. <laughs> I said, no, 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 I don't mean you. I mean, I must go home. <laughs> when it came to StoryWorth, I was writing this story about this guy called Merlin Menchel. And I thought, I'll look it up on Google and see if I can find a photo to go with the story. And then I found his obituary. And I found out that he had been working in the foreign office for Ian Fleming, who was also in the Foreign Office, and Ian Fleming had based his James Bond series on Merlin Minchell. So, of course, I got all excited about this. I thought, I had no idea. And I started to do more research about him, and I could see exactly why Ian Fleming had used stories based on his activities. Can you remember one?
0: Yeah, I can remember
1: one. He had a sailboat, and he was trying to sail it from Amsterdam into the Black Sea. And when he was going down the Rhine, he noted there were a whole lot of German activity, and there were, I don't know, storage tanks and various things down the Rhine. And he thought, well, this is pretty strange. And at one point he got stopped and this person came on board and asked him who he was. And then they said, well, we would like you to take somebody on board to take them down to such and such a place. So they sent him this absolutely wonderful blonde lady who, of course, he instantly fell in love with. And then he realized that she had been put aboard to try and get rid of him because they were sure he was a spy. And so there are all kinds of activities. But anyway, when he got back, he went to tell the foreign office and the foreign office weren't interested and they didn't think anything about it. So he kept going higher and higher until he was talking to Ian Fleming. And Ian Fleming said, we need you to work for us for a couple of years.
0: Oh, so he was an actual Ian Fleming recruit. Yeah, so he
1: was an Ian Fleming recruit, and so he had a number of exploits after that. The one where he rode a motorcycle across the desert for days on end. I mean, he was a very incredible character, and I just wished that I had known at the time. Although, actually, as a young child, I might have been terrified of him. I said, ah! <laughs> um, so, I, I got all excited about it, so I put that into the story as well. That If it had not been for StoryWorth, I never would have known. I mean... What a wild, wild meeting! Absolutely, and of course, I mean, I told my kids, and they got all excited. Oh my God, my mom met James Bond! I said, "Well, James Bond wasn't a real
0: character,
1: but I mean, he never said a word about that."
0: I would definitely lead with it if I had been a World War II spy. Yes, yes, I know. I am really glad that you found out because it's such a fun, like footnote to this otherwise still fun story, right? Yeah. Well, Anyhow. you, Jill, thanks for being so willing to share another chapter of another okay. volume right. of your StoryWorth books with us. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to get started writing your own book of life stories or want to give the gift of StoryWorth to a loved one, head over to StoryWorth.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another fun story from one of our writers. In the meantime, if you want one of your stories to be considered for the podcast, head to StoryWorth.com slash podcast. StoryWorth is a production of Evergreen Podcasts hosted by me, Krista Baum, and produced by Erin Land. We get production help from Wendy Sabroso. Thanks, ladies. We'll see you next time.